Hey there, friend. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me once again. And I hope that you're having a great week and that you have a few minutes to just pause and sit before the Lord with me. I hope that as you listen, it will bring you to the feet of Jesus, even if you're, you know, driving in the car or working out or whatever you're doing. Let's go to the feet of Jesus together. But first, of course, I have a story for you. So my story, well, you know, we're in this theme of waiting on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? And I have kind of a different idea about it today. So I was thinking about what I wanted to share, and it made me think about uh, when Sophie was getting married, we were, you know, getting ready for the wedding and everything, and we came up with this idea for the party favors. You know how you have party favors at a wedding? And I didn't want it to be something that nobody wants and it's a big waste of time. So anyway, I forget if it was my idea or Sophie's idea, but we came up with the idea of having little jars of honey that um, that would be the party favor. And we bought, you know, little cute labels and I got the cute jars and the whole thing. And I thought, well, this will be, you know, it won't be that expensive. Like we'll save money because I went out to Lancaster and got a five gallon thing of honey and then all the little jars and I was going to fill them and make these and it was going to be great. So I lined up in rows all these little jars on the counter, at least, I don't know, 60 of them maybe. And I think I poured the honey into something slightly smaller than the five gallon jug because I could barely pick that up, but not not the, here's the key, not small enough. So then I picked up this big thing that I had honey in and I started to pour, just go down the rows, pouring the honey. And um, I'm pretty sure it was Kate that was home when I did this and was laughing at me because I started. And then what happened was the thing I had the honey in was too heavy. It was, I didn't pick a small enough container. So I'm pouring and honey Honey is, which of course is super sticky and messy. Honey is just going everywhere, all over the counter, all over me. And, and I'm going like, oh no, oh no, oh no. It's too heavy. It's too heavy. I'm going to drop it. And I finally put it down. And Kate was just laughing at me because it was so ridiculous how I had this whole plan, you know, that I was just going to fill the jars like an assembly line. It was going to be great. And it was not great. So then I'm pretty sure I poured the honey into a four cup measuring cup and it was more manageable, but it was still this huge mess. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, pouring the honey and trying to control it. It was like your classic. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then I get started and I can't stop. And I was like, this is out of control. Sort of story of a lot of my great ideas. It was the classic example of rushing into an idea because, as we say, it seemed like a good idea at the time. But I should have paused. I should have waited before jumping in. And that is what I want to ponder today. Instead of waiting on the Lord in the, you know, what I want to have happen isn't happening, this one is more of a warning, a warning that I need, a warning to take time, take time to wait on the Lord. And that's what I want to ponder today. You are listening to the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie, and I'm so glad you are. Thanks for taking time to listen. 
And I truly pray that as you listen to this podcast, it will give you a thirst and a desire to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. That's what it's really all about. But let's take time now to pause and ponder the greatness of God together. Okay, so still thinking about waiting on the Lord, but I felt like I needed to switch gears because just like a lot of these topics I picked to talk about here, there's so much more to it. I mean, I could probably do, you know, 30 episodes on waiting on the Lord because there's so many scriptures on it. There's, and it's a big topic, but anyway, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. Um, But the first three that I've done have kind of been about waiting on the Lord in the sense of when you want something or you're praying for something and it's not happening, like that kind of waiting, like Abraham and Sarah had to wait a long time before they had Isaac, that kind of waiting. But waiting on the Lord also refers to the idea of, you know, seek the Lord, uh, turn to the Lord. So I wanted to make sure we covered that too. And this other aspect, this admonition to wait on the Lord, it's simply this. I'll say it in in simple language, the language I need to hear. Don't charge ahead on your own way or what looks like a good idea or what's more common now. Don't just go with your own feelings of what feels good, but ask God first. Wait on the Lord means ask God first. So that's the big question. Do we take the time to ask God first before we plunge into some idea that we have? And that's my struggle is I'm an idea person. I'm a dreamer. I love coming up with ideas. I I come up with ideas so easily. I'm like, oh, well, we could do this or, oh, this would be cool or, you know, whatever. And um, most of the time, Wes is not so much a dreamer. So he's a good balance for me that he's like, no. That's not a good idea. And one of the ways I slow myself down is I have to tell myself, not all my ideas are ones that I should do. Like, it's okay that I'm a dreamer and I think of these things and I don't need to do them. I need to do the ones that God is calling me to do. So back to, do I take the time to ask God first? You know, am I saying, teach me your way, O Lord? Or am I saying, I already know your way. Or worse, even worse than that, get out of my way. I know what I'm doing. And you know, uh, I just got back from last night. We had our Moms in Christ meeting and we talked about humility. And really, it's about being humble. Waiting on the Lord, asking God first, is about having a heart of humility. That that heart of humility remembers, I'm not the one in charge here. God is the one in charge. I'm not the one with all the wisdom. God's the one with all the wisdom. And I think it's tempting to think there are areas of our lives where, you know, we just, we just get on with it. We don't need to ask God. We're just doing what we do. This is what has to get done, right? But that isn't true. God wants us to seek him in all things. Seek him first. First. Not after we make the decision or take that first step, but first. And so... The scripture that really stands out to me in this idea of waiting on the Lord that kind of sums it up is from Psalm 32, and it's, I call it the horse and mule verse. So this verse says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. 
Now that might seem like a funny verse, but we are not to be like them. And think about it, a horse or a mule. What do a horse and a mule, how do they behave traditionally? You think of a mule, your, your typical picture of a mule is that it won't move and somebody's pulling the reins and it's dug its hooves in and it's not moving. It's stubborn. And I think of a horse as you need to hold on to those reins or it will run away. It will just take off. So two opposites, needing to be restrained or needing to be pulled to where it is supposed to go. And we are not to be like that. We shouldn't need to be restrained and we shouldn't need to be pulled to where God wants us to go. We should be obedient. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle or it will not stay near you. I think, I mean, I know we're sheep, but I think it's almost like instead of a horse or a mule, we should be like a dog. A dog that, you know, those dogs that don't even need a leash, they just stay right there by their master's side and they can, you know, the person can like give them one little command and they just do it. That's what we're to be. We're to be listening to the Holy Spirit that uh, sensitively and obediently, that in tune, that we're like that dog that just stays right there and doesn't even need a leash, isn't in danger, isn't going to run out in the street. But that's what it is to wait on the Lord. You know, it reminds me of a story I often tell of when I would go for a walk with my four kids. And two, the first two, Sophie and Wesley, would run ahead. They were the ones, you know, when you go on a walk, there's always that one. Well, we had two, but there's always that one that has to be first in the line, like on a hike or something. Well, those two would just run ahead and, they, and they'd be so far ahead that they'd just be within earshot of my yell. Um, and then Jess, next one, she was always way behind. She was always you know, she was our dreamer looking at something and I'd be like, come on, Jess, come on, come on. And she'd just be within earshot behind me. And then there was Kate and Kate didn't really want to go on a walk. So she would be right with me and generally holding my hand. And this one time we were doing that and I was yelling, slow down, slow down, hurry up, hurry up, you know, to the ones ahead and the ones behind. And Kate just looked at me and said, I just like to walk with you, mommy. And oh, so sweet. But also it just was this snapshot to me. Don't run ahead. Don't be behind. Walk right beside the Lord. Because you know what? I was really only going on a walk with Kate. The other two, they were on their own adventure and they were doing all kinds of crazy things, jumping in a creek and all this. And I was able to keep them safe in that when a car came, I would yell, car, and they would jump off the road and be safe. But I wasn't really going on a walk with them. And the same was true of Jess, who just got stuck looking at one thing. She would be, you know, bent down looking at a little flower or picking up rocks or whatever she was doing. She was doing that alone too. And we're not meant to be either way. We're meant to walk right beside Jesus even if we don't like the walk we're on and say, I just want to be with you, Jesus. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. It also makes me think of two Bible stories. And I heard the first one um, in a teaching I listened to recently on waiting on the Lord. And it's Joshua and the Gibeonites. So you know Joshua, 
right? Goes into the promised land, conquering all the people and, you know, taking the land that God had promised to them. And if you remember, the Gibeonites are this people group that heard of Joshua and the Israelites conquering everybody and they were scared. So they deceived them. They dressed up like they'd traveled on a long trip and showed up even though they had not traveled on a long trip um, and said, you know, will you make a, will you be partners with us? Will you enter into a covenant with us that you won't attack us with the appearance, with the appearance of being a people from far away? And what happened? Joshua did not wait on the Lord. Joshua did not seek the Lord. He just looked at them and was like, oh, yeah, you're from far away. No problem. You must be, you know, from somewhere that we aren't even trying to conquer. So sure, I'll enter into a covenant with you. And it was the situation where it seemed like a great idea at the time. It all lined up, but it was not. And now he was in a covenant, a, an agreement, a contract with a people. And it wasn't what God had called them into. Oh, it's so painful, isn't it? It's so painful when we've made a commitment that we should never have made. And then you have to reap the consequences. Makes me think of this one time I was helping at the pregnancy center in Pottstown many years ago. Um, and I agreed. I was there for the day and I came up with the idea that we could do a parenting class because they didn't have any parenting classes. Um, and the director was all for it and everything. And I was like, this will be great. I, this will be really fun. And clearly it was what God wanted. I mean, why would God not want a parenting class there, right? So I, she, I think she even had a curriculum. I got the curriculum out. I started looking at it. And we advertised an eight-week parenting class. And it was going to be awesome. Well, I didn't wait on the Lord before I did that. I just thought it was a great idea and that I should do it and charged ahead. What I didn't know was that we were going to be invited to my favorite uh, conference that happened every year, the Fall Calvary Chapel Pastors Conference up in um, the Finger Lakes, and it was going to be during those eight weeks. Well, now I had committed that I was teaching this class for eight weeks. I had to show up, and so I couldn't go, and Wes went without me. And, oh, I wanted to be there so badly, and he was disappointed that I didn't go too. And um, but you know what? I'd made the commitment, so I had to stick it out. And you know what happened? All those eight weeks, no one showed up. No one came to my great parenting class. It was just a commitment of time I had made without waiting on the Lord. And I had to reap those consequences. It was painful. But I think of Joshua and the Gibeonites and how painful it was to suffer those consequences of not waiting on the Lord. And I also think of Nehemiah. And you know how Nehemiah had those bad guys come um, talk to him and try to distract him, Sambalot and uh, the other guy. I forget the other guy's name. But he was, you know, Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem trying to build the wall. That's the, the job God has given him to do. And these guys keep showing up, trying to distract him. They even say, come out and meet with us at one point. And Nehemiah has no time for them. Now, I mean, admittedly, I think it was a little more obvious that they were bad guys instead of someone he should make a commitment with. So he had that going for him. 
but he doesn't give them any time. He's like, no, I'm doing something for, for the Lord and I won't be distracted. What a difference, right? What a difference. And here's the thing I think it's important to remember, or at least important for me to remember, if you think back to Joshua and those Gibeonites. Joshua is not this newbie Christian, you know, that he should have, he, he oh, look, he didn't know to pray, so he's just learning. No, jo- think about Joshua for a second. Joshua with Moses, he spent time in the tent of the tabernacle in the presence of the Lord. There was that one time that Moses left and it said Joshua lingered there longer. He spent time with God. This is a, a giant in the faith. And he still made the mistake of not waiting on the Lord and making that commitment. So it just goes to show it could happen to anybody. Because if you think about it, Anyone who could quickly know God's will in a situation, like see a situation and God speaking to them, it would be Joshua. But even he needed to pause, needed to stop before making a decision and ask God, Lord, what do you want? What should we do here? So if Joshua needs to, don't you think we should? So this is our reminder today. Wait on the Lord. Wait to hear from him before you leap ahead in enthusiasm or desire, or just because you've always done it that way. Let's wait. Let's wait for Jesus to guide, to instruct, and to teach, to show the way. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Guess what verse is right before that one? It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And this is God's promise to us. If we wait, he will answer. He will instruct, teach, and counsel. He will guide us. Be not like the horse or a mule. Don't miss out on what God has for you by being self-sufficient or being stubborn, by being running too far ahead, or dragging your feet too far behind. And after this verse about the horse and the mule, it says this, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. And what a feeling of love, of a a knowledge of that steadfast love it is when you receive guidance from Jesus. He sees, he cares, He has a plan. Did you hear that? Because that is for you. He sees you. He hears you. He has a plan for you. So wait on the Lord because he wants to instruct you, to teach you, and to counsel you today. Listen to these verses one last time. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. Those are the ones who run ahead or drag their feet. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And when we take time to wait on the Lord, 
to ask him, Lord, is this something you want me to do? Or what should I say? Or how, which decision should I make? Take time to do that and wait for his instruction, his teaching, his counsel. We are going to rejoice. And we're not going to be finding ourselves in a situation that seemed like a good idea at the time. That's the kind of waiting on the Lord, walking with him, even when we didn't want to go on that walk in the first place, but walking right beside him, telling him in faith, I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm waiting to hear your instruction, your counsel on what you want me to do today. Thanks for listening. And I pray that you will remember that horse and mule as you go throughout your day. And whether you're tempted to drag your feet or run ahead, I pray that you will wait on the Lord. Turn to Jesus, put your hand in his, so to speak, and tell him, I just want to walk with you, Jesus. Till next time. Thank you.